thank you, Mickey, for your wonderful introduction of me. So my name is Desiree. I'm interested in a lot of different topics, including privacy, emerging technologies, and blockchain. And as you may have already guessed, I have something very exciting to share with you guys. But before I get to that, let's start with a definition. Let's start with the definition of the word cypherpunk, since it's in my talk title, Particle the Cypherpunk Dream. What is a cypherpunk? A cypherpunk is someone who cares about encryption and privacy and wants it to be used all the time by individuals in society. Here's a definition from Wikipedia. A cypherpunk is any activist advocating widespread use of strong cryptography and privacy enhancing technologies as a route to social and political change. This is one definition, but I want to show you another definition that I like a bit more. This is from a dictionary. A cypherpunk is a person with an interest in encryption and privacy, especially one who uses encrypted email. I prefer the second version because it eliminates the social and political change and it makes it sound more of the human right that privacy is. Cypherpunks, the term came about from an email list that was started in the 1980s. It was, it only came about after the 1970s before, because before the 1970s, encryption was actually banned by the US government because it was considered only military uh, technology. And there's actually a cypherpunk manifesto that goes into a bit more detail about it. But what I want you to get from the term cypherpunk is that in essence, it asks society to let technology do the work because you can't rely on the government or regulation to preserve our privacy rights. So why do people care about preserving privacy rights? This is a big problem today, online privacy. Not just online privacy, but I'm going to focus on online privacy. There's a war going on between technology, the advancement of technology, and regulation's ability to stop bad actors like hackers from exploiting people's data. This is a statistic, it's from Statista, and it shows the annual number of data breaches and exposed records in the United States from 2005 to 2018 on, oops, sorry about that, okay. On the x-axis, that's just showing the change over time. And on the y-axis, this is data breaches and records exposed in millions. The blue line, the upper one, that is showing the number of data breaches like for a specific company. And then the lower line, the black one, that's showing the individual number of records that have been exposed, but it's in millions actually. So for the number of data breaches for specific companies, it moved from about 160 to about 1,600 at its peak in 2017. And then for the number of actual records exposed in millions, it moved from about 70 million in 2005 to its peak at 450 in 2018. So you can probably think of specific incidents like there was an Equifax uh, credit report breach, uh, breach and then also Target had an issue with credit card information from consumers being exposed. So I'm sure you can think of other incidents in your mind. But after this first problem of, well, the technology is growing really fast and people's privacy is, is being exposed, there comes a second issue. How do you deal with that problem when you also have to think about 
bad actors whose their privacy being protected means that they can do what they want to do. And I call that a conflict between public interest and individual privacy. I'm using a tweet from Donald Trump, the president, because I think it might generate some interest in the audience, but also because it really highlights the mindset of a lot of regulators and some people in the public. This is very recent. And he talks about being mad at Apple because they're refusing to unlock, unlock phones and give uh, backdoors to the governments because these phones are used by pillars, drug dealers, and other violent criminal elements. And I'm using this particular person, but many people feel this way about it. And here is uh, some data, again, from Statista that does opinion polls on how the audience feels. So 41%, which is less than half, and this is from 2016, of the US public aged 18 to 29 think that the government should be able to access encrypted communications in order to stop bad uh, actors. But that's from 2016 and people have become even more aware of issues with privacy. So I'm kind of going to bet, this is my opinion, that that number has actually gone down and more people care about privacy more. But let's focus on this data because it's actual data that's been collected and uh, not my opinion. And then some more stats. About 27,000 um, uh, data requests have been made from federal governments and courts to Google uh, in 2019, 10,000 to Snapchat, about 2,000 to Twitter, and a whopping 51,000 from Facebook. This is private messages between individuals, maybe photos with loved ones, romantic interests, etc. Most people really, really don't like that. So how do we solve these two problems. This is my opinion, and maybe the opinion of all the over the about 60% of individuals who don't think the government should have access to encrypted communications. I think that you should let the technology do the work and have law enforcement work around it. And that goes back to the cypherpunk idea of how to solve these issues. You let the technology do the work, you let law enforcement work around it and you don't sacrifice the individual's right to privacy, the majority of people, just for a minority of bad actors. So, what does this have to do with Particle? I've already mentioned that I was excited about privacy and emerging technology, so you could probably have put two and two together and realized that I'm talking about a software that has emerging technology and is related to privacy. And if you did that, you would be right. Particle is a piece of software and it enables privacy. So what it is, is first and foremost, a privacy coin. A privacy coin introduces fungibility to a blockchain, which is a, a distributed ledger. So you can track transactions from one person to the next, but you don't necessarily know, depending on how much of the feature of privacy you've turned on, you might not know who the sender and the receiver are, or you don't know um, the amount that's being sent. And I should also uh, explain that encryption means that you're blocking a third party from seeing what's being communicated between the two people who are trying to uh, talk to each other. So it's not just a privacy coin, it's a platform and it's built decentralized applications on top of it. And this particular one focuses on financial data and e-commerce. It's actually an open source project, which is really important due to the nature of, of what it is and it's grown from 2014 into what it is today. And by the way, my being here and the other person I'm with, it's completely due to individual donations from the community. It's not actually from any company, which is what most people assume. 
especially when they hear the word uh, cryptocurrency or, or blockchain. So this is what the marketplace looks like. It's the first application that's built on top of the blockchain. If you, if you see over here, these are this is actually a wallet client, and these are three, four separate wallets, but one particular wallet is the marketplace wallet, and it connects to a database. I don't want to get too technical, and I'll be at the booth so you can ask questions later or in the Q&A after this talk. Um, but the database uses SMSG messaging and it's propagated through a peer-to-peer -peer network. So there are actually two networks here. There's the blockchain network, which has all the transaction information, and then there's the database, and they're both peer-to-peer. Uh, -peer. Now some interesting features about the marketplace is that it has an escrow system. So it's called Mutually Assured Destruction Escrow, and the idea is that you don't want there to be a third-party moderator because you want to let the technology do the work to resolve any disputes between a, a buyer and a seller. So if I'm selling a book on the marketplace and say it costs $10 and a buyer makes a bid on the book, they will put up the $10 of the sales price and then also $10 extra and I also put up $10. So there will be $30 locked in escrow and we both don't get back or $10 individually until the buyer has said, I've received the item. So the idea is that both of us, the buyer and the seller, are incentivized to act honestly towards each other because we, I'm not gonna lie about having sent the book and the buyer won't lie about having received it because we both want to receive our extra uh, $10 back. And that's taken from game theory, which is something very old and not at all related to just the particle uh, project. Uh, another thing that's useful about the particle uh, blockchain is that there is self-governance involved, again, letting the technology do the work. So if a certain number of people flag an item on the marketplace, that threshold can be changed. But right now it's about if people who, enough people who hold 10,000 parts, a part is about 70 cents right now, not, they're not going to burn all of that part. It's just if enough of them flag the item and they spend a small amount, um, then the item will be automatically taken down from the marketplace. And this is just the public marketplace. There's actually the ability for individuals, it's a bit technical, you have to go on GitHub. There's the ability for individuals to create their own marketplace and only the people that they share a specific key with will have access to it. So that's something else to uh, keep in mind. Now, I've explained how the marketplace works, but what is this problem actually solving? In terms of privacy and e-commerce, when we shop on platforms like Amazon or eBay, they're collecting all that data uh, about us that they can put into profiles that they sell to third-party companies, usually B2B, business-to-business -business companies. And this is something that a lot of people are getting uh, concerned about. But apart from protecting the buyers, something else to consider is that these platforms tend to compete with the sellers themselves. So if you've seen Amazon Basics products, it's because products, it's because they know that those items sell really well. And they know that because they can see how sellers are doing on their platforms. This can be a good thing for consumers since they get a cheaper item at the end of the day, but it can also be a bad thing because you're saying to people who are innovators, don't bother to come up with your products and try to sell it on the largest platform that there is because you won't be able to grow enough before you can compete with a, a big seller like Amazon who has the economies of scales to outcompete you. So that's, that's a big issue. Those are two particular problems that the marketplace solves. And again, remember, this is just one platform on the privacy 
uh, coin. So you could build other things like social media, uh, for example. So I have to bring up something else because people automatically think of people doing nefarious things when they think of a private marketplace. So there was a survey, it was small and it was through self-selected users of people who use privacy coins done by a company called Mosaic. And their independent research uh, company came out last year in the, in the summer. And something interesting that they found is that for the people who spend, uh, spend privacy, spend money on items using privacy coins, most of them are not involved in this down here, which is what most people think of immediately. That's a big number, proportion of uh, activity that has nothing to do with dark, dark web activity. And if you look up here, there's 70% that's not available, and that's because of the nature of privacy coins. So we don't know what happens there. But there's a large amount beyond 20%, that's about 80%, that has nothing to do with that kind of activity. Now, there hasn't been much research done into it because of the emerging nature of this technology, but this is some piece of data that we have. And I don't have a slide on it, but something else to consider is that a big reason users stated that they might not adopt privacy coins is because it has a very high uh, learning curve. And then this is another report. Um, this is done by a company called Chain Analysis. They're pretty famous because they work directly with law enforcement and government agencies. And I don't think they expected to see, expected their information to be used by someone who's a proponent, proponent of uh, privacy coins, which is what they're against, uh, theoretically. But they very specifically point out that it's a myth that criminals love cryptocurrencies because they enable untraceable and illicit uh, transactions. In reality, criminals only account for about 1.1% of cryptocurrency volume. And they just, like two days ago, after I had already set up all this presentation, released the report. This was just the primer for the report. And I had already suspected that that 1%, that 1% is actually even smaller because what we consider illicit is usually stuff like white collar crimes and not the things that people automatically go to in their minds when they think of people doing bad things privately. And so I just got this from their report. This shows that what they call illicit activity is mostly scams. That's actually the biggest threat when it comes to uh, cryptocurrency being used by uh, bad actors. And I won't mention it because I don't really want to talk about it, but you can see the really bad one is a red line and it's all the way at the bottom. There's barely anything. And this is from a company that really doesn't like cryptocurrencies and they work with um, law enforcement agencies. So why am I here talking to you today? I want to go back to this issue with um, privacy coins not really being used because there's a high learning curve. This platform, the, the particle marketplace, it, sorry, it began a long time ago in 2014, and um, it's taken years for it to come up to this point in time, and a lot of people don't even know that it exists. And so we want people to know that the particle marketplace exists. We're going to be at the booth all day, and we want feedback, and we want users. You can maybe get a particle t-shirt if you're willing to buy it on the marketplace. I'm here with another community member. We know that the crowd at Liberty Forum, ourselves included, really care about self-sovereignty and liberty. And we're very excited to introduce the platform to you. And that's what we ask, that you just know that it's here. Tell people that you know about it. Download it. It's at particle.io slash downloads. 
and uh, feel free to have more liberty in your life. <laughs> so thank you, and do you have any questions? I got to use the particle marketplace yesterday and found it to be very easy to use. Um, pretty intuitive. My question is about uh, feedback. So on the best selling platforms like Amazon and even darknet markets, there's a way for users to give each other feedback about um, this person was good to interact with, uh, they delivered the product that I expected, or they paid the money on time, eBay has been doing this with a rating system. I didn't hear mention of that. Is there any kind of feedback mechanism for the marketplace in Particle? Um, thanks for the question, Derek. There is very limited feedback right now, and they just now added the, there's a field um, with questions and answers, so people can post public questions and there'll be public answers for an individual listing. They decided not to have messaging, um, encrypted messaging, because they thought that it could be a way for people to get around the escrow uh, system that they had in place, but they were thinking of having canned uh, responses to have people resolve disputes. Possibly. So that's what's available right now. It's just a QA and and it's, uh, it's withheld because they could see problems with having buyers and sellers directly talking uh, to each other. But it sounds like you have something else to say. Yeah. Uh, does that expose a uh, person's identity? <coughs> well, not necessarily. It depends on what you write in your message. I, I mean, uh, when you give feedback, is it like, this is Derek's feedback, or is it just, you know, this is was a buyer? Well, it depends on what the seller, what information the seller puts, because the buyer will only know what information the seller puts about themselves. So if they wanted to write something and mention the seller, then they could use whatever the seller has as like an alias or a pseudonym or something. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Any, any more questions? We have a bit of time. I'm sure you guys thought this was interesting. Okay, um, I think you gotta come up. So may you briefly compare with some other liberty solutions like Open Bazaar, which are also kind of decentralized and uh, uh, use cryptocurrencies, but maybe not in the way as Particle does. Well, it's the same concept. Uh, fun fact: one of the lead Open Bazaar devs are is in the room and is watching the presentation right now. Um, it's the same concept in terms of having a decentralized marketplace, but Particle only relies on the technology for the governance, for moderation. So that's different and also privacy is first and particle is first and foremost a privacy coin. So it's built on top of its own blockchain with it, which with its own token. And I think those are the two major differences uh, between the two platforms, but both of them are new. Um, that chain analysis report mentioned them actually, and not many people know about them yet. So they're offering something that really doesn't exist and I hope to see platforms like this grow because people don't have access to this technology uh, well they don't know they have access to this technology right now thank you thank you any more uh, questions you can take your time uh, to think about it well i can give you a question that uh, someone asked me when i had mentioned this before they were asking about the difference uh, between cypherpunk and, and cyberpunk 
because people confuse them. One second. And then the, <laughs> um, a cypherpunk group refers to an activist and a, who cares about encryption and privacy, and a cyberpunk refers more to the dystopian future that can occur if there's lawlessness and no privacy or too much privacy, like hackers, uh, etc. So it's it's a bit of a difference uh, between the two terms. I have a pretty good handle on how the system is ensuring uh, integrity and uh, secrecy, the privacy part. <clears throat> what does it do for non-repudiation? So that. Anybody involved, you know, the recipient of a transaction can be assured that although they don't know the identity of the person who initiated it, that person exists, you know, has some substance. Well, the, the, they can't actually know that, but the idea is that you're not going to make a bid and enter into an escrow because you're going to lose something. If you're trying to scam people, I guess you could, you could think it's worth it to scam people for the loss of whatever that escrow amount is. <laughs> But it can't be guaranteed that, I don't know, someone was just saying they have an item and they don't have an item, but the incentives are in place so that that's just not likely to happen. Is there any technology in place to keep uh, people from um, impersonating other participants? Or is that buried in the blockchain technology? No, there is no uh, mechanism for someone. Someone could pretend to be uh, someone else. So if they're selling a particular item, they could Maybe in some of their listings, if it's an issue, talk about how, how to verify that it's the real one. So it would have to be up to the seller to figure out how to get around that. Right now, there is uh, there is there are a couple of sellers on the marketplace who they um, identify themselves with all their listings. So you, there's a way to do that with your listings and your imagery. So you can try to build up a reputation if you want, but it's, it's just an option. But the answer to your question is like, there is no real way because that's the nature of that kind of technology. It has pros and cons uh, to it. Thank you. Any more questions? So how many uh, active uh, sellers do you have at any given point in time? Uh, well, the platform was released uh, in went mainnet August 2019, and I don't know the number of sellers, but there are about 800, I think, active listings, and that number has been very slowly going up over time. Cool. Could you tell us more about uh, your podcast and how to find it? That's a great question. Uh, my podcast is called uh, Crypto Ramble. It's on YouTube, it's on BitChute. I have a website, CryptoRamble.com as well, um, that teaches people about how blockchains work, what's cryptography, uh, that, that kind of stuff. But my podcast is like daily updates and opinion pieces on, you know, maybe a SEC case or Peter Schiff losing his Bitcoins, like what I think of it, but it's not just news reported, it's going a bit more like what could this mean, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's CryptoRamble, CryptoRamble.com, and um, I talk about uh, Particle 2, so you will get to Particle, maybe like 7% of my content. this at the beginning of the uh, presentation uh, uh, there's a client that uh, has to be installed yes it's a desktop client that you download and uh, what uh, platforms is it on 
I saw on Mac, Windows, Linux. I think that's that's about it. Okay. And uh, the, I'll just say a little bit more for the audience. Um, right now, you have to download the desktop client in order to use the marketplace. Um, but there's a website. I think it's called D Markets. Um, no, I don't know if it's .com or .io that allows you to browse the listings that are available. But in order to make it totally peer-to-peer -to -peer and trying to think of uh, keeping privacy in mind, you do have to download the desktop client. There isn't a mobile application um, right now um, because of what the technology needs to do. Um, but hopefully that will be available in the future. And the user does have to ensure their own network uh, privacy, like their internet, um, for themselves. Any more questions? Well, thank you guys so much for your attention and time.